Welcome to All Shall Be Well, a conversation hosted by InterVarsity's Women in the Academy and Professions, giving voice to women seeking to live fully into their God-given callings and be a redeeming influence, whether in the university or beyond. On this episode of All Shall Be Well, Conversations with Women in the Academy and Beyond, we're launching a three-part interview series with spiritual director Carrie Bear where we plan to discuss spiritual truths that can nourish us during these tumultuous times. Carrie Bear currently serves as an Associate Director for Spiritual Formation of Faculty with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. She is married to Randy, mother to two grown sons, and she lives in Spokane, Washington. Ann Boyd, Managing Editor at The Well, interviews Carrie in this first episode, where they talk about spiritual disciplines that can settle our anxiety-ridden minds, and in particular, what we can learn from studying Psalm 1. And before we begin the interview with Carrie and Anne, let me read for you Psalm 1 to provide context for their conversation. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or take the path that sinners tread, or sit in the seat of scoffers. But their delight is the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season and their leaves do not wither. In all that they do, they prosper. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And now here's Carrie and Anne. Hi, Carrie. Hi, Anne. It's nice to be here with you. It's good to see you. (laughs) So let's dive right in. I think I represent a lot of our listeners at the well right now when I say that I feel like I'm going a little crazy because besides the daily stresses of regular life, which are always intense for women in the academy and professions, we're experiencing more challenges than ever between the pandemic and our country's racial reckoning and the contentious election just around the corner. So I'm wondering, can you help me to find some ways to stay grounded in my faith in this extended season? I can try. You're so great. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think probably the first step is what you've just done, which is to name Hmm. what's going on. I think it's important not to pretend that in some ways it isn't terrible. It's kind of terrible. And mm-hmm. I think sort of coming to terms with that, at least, at least enough to name it, is important. So yes, we have all these things and they're all hard. And they're not going to end soon. Well, the election is going to end, but all of the feelings around the election are not going to end soon. Right. Pandemic's not going to end soon. Mm-hmm racial injustice is not going to end soon. We wish, but it's not true. So what do we do? I think the first thing that I think of is to just remember who I am, that I belong to God. I bear God's image, and I want to ground myself in God's goodness and his redemptive stance towards the world. And I don't want to ever get too far away from that because that's the ground of my being. So whatever I need to do to shore that up or to make that 
real in my life, I try to do. And I, in my spiritual direction practice and my other work, I try to encourage other people to do this. So what does that mean? That just means we have to make some space to hang out with God regularly. We just have to be with God in our days. And we need to be in God's word because that is where the nourishment is going to come. And it's not going to come from the news. It's not going to come from some self-help formula that we find. It's not going to come from other people consistently because they're going to get deeply discouraged as well. And then we'll just all drag each other down. (laughs) So I have reminded myself over and over again that God is not surprised by any of this. God is not thwarted by this. He's not rattled by this. God is a rock and God is on the throne that he belongs on. So I remind myself that God is Lord of the universe and continues to be the hope of the world in the words of the hymn that Margaret Clarkson wrote, the Lord of the universe, the hope of the world. Mm -hmm. That just helps me. That just helps remind me of what is true. These other things are transient, even though they don't feel transient. They are not the lasting things. So I think at the very beginning of asking the question, how do we handle this? We just need to go to the place where we could be most grounded. I like how you're talking about remembering and reminding ourselves, because I think that's really key. I think it's true all the time that we need to remember God and we need to remember our identity as his children. But I feel like the onslaught of new information and bad news, it's like a fire hose now that's trying to, you know, (laughs) get us to forget. And so Like, so, I mean, for you, what practices help you to remember? I mean, there's, there's the quiet time. There's like your morning. I mean, I wake up and I have a cup of coffee and I have Mm -hmm. a little prayer time Mm -hmm. and I've been trying to experiment with things during the day, but like, I feel like I forget as soon as I start, if I, I open up my, my app that, you know, tells me about whatever else is happening in the United States, what recommendations do you have? Well, I think my biggest recommendation is to limit the input. So I'm not advocating that we only read scripture. But since I noticed my own inner turmoil and my constant outrage about things, I have had to have a reckoning and and take a look at what was influencing me. What was I allowing to come in? And in the book, The Common Rule, which is a wonderful book, he has 10 things in his common rule. And one of them is to curate social media and really what you allow into your head in a given day or a week or whatever. Andy Crouch says the same kinds of things in TechWise Family, his book. They're both advocating for just admitting we can't handle too much of this stuff. And when it's very toxic, I think we should have even stronger boundaries around what we take in. So that's part of it. And then I think the other thing, so what do you put in place of that? I think the other thing is to cultivate a way of thinking 
about the world, which is just to ask the question constantly, what do I know from the teachings of Jesus or from what I know about God that is true about this thing that is upsetting me? Where would I love to see God's shalom break in here? What would that be like? So you're countering what you're seeing with what you know should be true. So by thinking about what you know should be true, even though it's not happening the way you wish it were, you're thinking about that. What does that look like? What is God's way of treating people? You know, everyone bears God's image. We respect all people. We don't denigrate anyone. No one is excluded. So when I see, you know, horrible things happening between people in the government, I think, okay, what is true and real? This is wrong. This hurts people. And I know this is not the will of God. So somehow just kind of, what do I want to say? Just bathing my mind in what I know to be true about life and people and interactions helps me somehow. And I feel like I'm not explaining that very well. Well, I think you are. I mean, what it sounds to me like you're saying, and this is something I'd like to work towards. It's going to be a hard skill. But what I think you're saying is that when you read the news or hear something or whatever, that you frame it in God's character, in his way. And so that you're looking at it, not as a thing that's happening And, you know, you've forgotten everything that you know about God's constancy and goodness, but that you're looking at it through a lens of, okay, we know that God is good and he is, he has loving kindness and he cares for us and he never changes. And here's this little thing inside of that. And so what does that mean? Yeah. I think it's also important to realize what I am seeing, let's say the Amy Comey Barrett Mm -hmm. hearings. For example, mm-hmm. what in that is not all of reality. That is how some people are choosing to behave right now in these hearings. And it is unfortunate or whatever it is that we're, in my case, it's often from watching, but reading, you know, this is what one person tweeted, but it is not the whole of reality. I think that's what we forget. The whole of reality and the eternal truths are much bigger, deeper, more profound, and more oriented towards shalom than these terrible interactions that are happening right now in real time in this period of history. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that these terrible interactions don't matter. I'm not saying that there aren't good reasons to be outraged and upset, but they are not the whole of reality. And I think that's what we need to remember And we need to, as you say, frame all of reality by looking at it from a biblical point of view. Who is ultimately in charge? What ultimately matters? And if you believe the scriptures, love is going to win and evil is not. And we just have to hang on to that because Many days, it looks like evil is winning. It looks a lot like evil is winning. But it has looked that way 
many times in history to many people. And I think part of our problem is we are not used to suffering. We tend to have hugely developed senses of entitlement. And then we're just shocked when we don't get what we want and we fall apart. And I think this is an opportunity to become, to think about, is that okay with me? Do I want that to be true of me? Again, I don't want to downplay the stress level that anybody has in their life right now and the very real suffering that is going on. But I don't think we're well prepared to handle suffering because we just don't do it that much compared to to women in Syria, women Mm -hmm. in Yemen, you know, women in Nigeria. I'm just thinking about and through the ages, you know, what was happening during these wars, civil war. World War One, World War Two, the Spanish flu, the plague. People have been through terrible stuff before. And I was thinking about the scripture about the weaned child who has, I am like a weaned child with my mother, quiet. Mm-hmm. Well, the weaned child has figured out that she can't cry <laughs> anymore and get what she wants. It's just not going to happen she's going to have to learn how to use that bottle. And she has come to terms with that. And I feel like this pandemic is like that. You know, we can either stay in a state of, you know, just completely upset about it all the time and complaining, or we can sort of come to terms with, you know, we got dealt a rotten hand. How are we going to play it? And could we be quiet with our mother as weaned children? That just... That sort of helps me because I think part of what will help us lower the stress level is to stop fighting it and come to terms with, come to a place of acceptance. Okay, it's happening and it's terrible and I hate it. And I have a long list of the damages it is doing to me and my family and all of that. Okay, that's all true. But how will we move forward? And I think, you know, women before us in war times and in times of plague and other kinds of terrible things have figured out how to keep going. And I think you waste energy by fighting it all the time. I think that increases the stress level, just wringing our hands all the time. So I think, again, I do not want to diminish how awful it is, but I think we need strategies for how to make our way through it without wasting, we we have limited energy as it is. Mm -hmm. So let's waste it on stuff that's not going to help us get through. I like that pairing of acknowledging the pain while also kind of digging deep and finding your resources. Mm -hmm. And I think what I'm noticing is that it is, it's like a cycle that I have to keep going through Mm -hmm. and that, you know, I feel angry and sad and all the emotions, I acknowledge them, I find some new resources and then I'm feeling okay. And then either something new or I just remember that things are awful. Mm -hmm. And so then I feel angry and sad and I have to, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and maybe that's, I mean, I think it feels disorienting because I keep expecting myself to kind of get my head straight and then yeah. continue on in one direction. But yeah, there's a lot of constant change. Yeah. And I think we're not past it yet. You know, we keep wanting to get past it. Yeah. 
<laughs> and, and we're not. And so, you know, I think it's similar to grief in that waves of it keep hitting us again and again. Mm-hmm. I don't think that is, well, it's not enjoyable. We wish it didn't happen that way, but I don't think we have to feel like there's something wrong with us if that's happening. Mm-hmm. I think there are bumps on this road and there will continue to be bumps. And I think the most important thing is to get up after again after we fall down. It is tempting to lie there and just scream for a long time <laughs> because it's so unfair and horrible. And why is this happening? And I'm sick of it. I don't want to do it anymore. I don't want to wear this mask. I don't want to social distance. I don't want to look at toxic news. I just want it to be. But it's not going to go away. So the more we can cultivate resilience, which in my view is getting up after you fall, there's nothing wrong with falling down. Mm -hmm. It's getting up again and continuing on the path. So I think we wouldn't be human if we didn't have waves of anger about this stuff. And if it didn't make us distraught, I mean, who wants to be around the person who's just humming (laughs) through this? Like, oh, uh, what is wrong with her? I mean, if we're paying attention, it's terrible. And the task before us is to find some strategies for navigating this whole mess. For ourselves, but also for our families, especially Mm -hmm. our kids. But I think if we have them and spouses, if we have them and people around us, I mean, I think everyone's struggling. So if somebody is able to find some strategies that are helping and kind of model those and share those, then that just helps. That helps, you know, step by step. Oh, well, Carrie, one of the things that I know about you is that you love scripture. And I've heard you talking about Psalm 1 a lot recently. Mm-hmm. And I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on that. I'm a big fan of scripture. I love it. But it's also, it's been hard, I think, in this season, just because of all the external and internal noise for me to get quiet mm-hmm. enough to really absorb it and apply it to life today. So I believe that's possible, but I'm a little stuck and I'd love to hear your advice and your ideas and thoughts. Well, noise is a good word. There's a lot of noise. And I think recognizing that and trying to minimize the noise, noticing, oh, there's a lot of noise taking up residence in my head right now. What can I do to minimize that and quiet that down? So I think there's got to be something in the day that involves space to reflect and to just be quiet. And I think, I know that can be very hard to come by, but I think people need to, you know, my recommendation is to work as hard at that as we do at making sure we've still got toilet paper and shampoo in the house. You know, <laughs> it's, it's a survival technique. I just mm-hmm. think it's not sustainable for us to not have some time to be in the presence of God, reflecting, praying if we can, getting some scripture if we can. I think taking scripture in bite-sized chunks these days is not a bad way to do it. And the Psalms are short, relatively speaking. And so that's a great place to be. There are also lots of Psalms of lament, and this is a season for lamenting. So there you are, voices in scripture that are having the same hard time. (laughs) 
that we are having. There's one psalm, I think it's it might be 13, about not fretting and why we shouldn't fret. They actually use the word fret. <laughs> and I thought, huh, this person had some foresight. <laughs> so Psalm 1 has always been one that I've loved. I love the image of the tree that is rooted by the streams of water and flourishes because it's rooted in the right place. But recently, someone gave me an image that made me think immediately of Psalm 1. It's, and it's the image of a tree. I don't think the water is even in the image, but the tree is rooted and you can see the tree above the ground. And the tree is not that impressive. The tree is kind of a little bit on the scrawny side, actually. But in the image, what grabs your attention is that underground, there is a huge, beautiful, amazing, rich, fruitful root system. There is all kinds of stuff going on in it underground. So it's hidden. So that idea, I had been thinking about that a little bit before I saw the image. What is happening in our situation that we don't see that's hidden? What is God doing that we are either missing or it just hasn't been revealed yet? What's going on? Because what we see can't be it. (laughs) Or (laughs) might as well just close down and just go home, you know, and Mm -hmm. just what's the point? So there must be more that we're not seeing. And this image really spoke to me of that, that there's this beautiful stuff going on in a hidden way that and God is all about that. And God is doing hidden things that are beautiful, but there are things in us that are happening that we're not even aware of that the Holy Spirit is doing because the Holy Spirit does that kind of secret stuff that then one day you realize, oh my gosh, the Holy Spirit softened my heart towards Mm -hmm. this person I didn't want to forgive. The Holy Spirit has been working in me transforming me. I didn't even know it. I was just doing the dishes and, you know, doing my, my life. And you kind of catch these things that have been sort of hidden. You, you haven't been fully aware of them, but the Holy Spirit has been at work. So I love thinking about that. And then as I was thinking about the psalm, I somehow became aware that it is echoed in Jeremiah 17, mm-hmm. verses 7 and 8. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. They shall be like a tree planted by water, sending out roots by the stream. It shall not fear when heat comes, and its leaves shall stay green. In the year of drought, it is not anxious. Jeremiah also talks about that tree and the roots and kind of makes the point that if tree, you don't get your roots down by that water, There's heat and drought coming, and you will not be okay. And in the same passage, Jeremiah says, and don't trust in mere mortals. So just reading that, I thought, huh, how are we trusting in mere mortals these days? Hmm. Well, we are trusting, many of us, a certain political party or a certain kind of outcome or procedure 
or something, our government, to get it together and do the right thing. And we are shocked when our government doesn't get it together and do the right thing. And I think Jeremiah says, why are you shocked? (laughs) Trust the water. The water will nourish your roots. The water will be what you need. And mere mortals will disappoint you. They can't do anything against drought and heat, Mm -hmm. the drought and heat that's coming. You know, the water is what you want. And the water, of course, is the metaphor for God. So I just found that helpful. And I think that it made me think about, well, made me ask the question, in what am I putting my trust? Mm -hmm. And in what am I investing? And then getting so upset when it doesn't come out the way I want it to. Do I think that we need to work for just systems? Absolutely. But do I have faith in human institutions? I do not. (laughs) I think that we need to work for justice and for the shalom of everyone. We need to work redemptively because God's kingdom is breaking into this world and we want to be part of that. But it is God who will put things right. It is not the Democrats or the Republicans or the Congress or whatever. And I think I will feel the heat and the drought intensely if I put my trust in those things and I'm not being attentive to the water. So those are some things out of Psalm 1. There are several other things. There's a little line in there about sitting in the seat of mockers Mm. um, or scoffers. It talks about walking in the way of sinners and the way of the wicked, but what caught me was scoffers. And I thought about that because I may or may not have scoffed occasionally at someone somewhere <laughs> along the line. It is possible. So, you know, that line brings me up short because the Lord is saying I'm not a fan of people who sit in the seat of scoffers. So as I thought about that some more, I thought, you know, it's one thing to scoff, to do a one-off scoff, but it's a whole other thing to sit down with the other scoffers in that section of the restaurant that's for scoffing. And we're now going to settle into scoffing. This is what we're going to do. We're going to be sarcastic and we're going to mock and we're going to scoff and we're not going to help make anything good happen, we're going to lob rocks and words at the people who are trying to to make good things happen. So I thought, you know, I could see why God probably isn't a fan of that sort of thing. So that's just a little piece in Psalm 1 about how to live well, and that has always spoken to me. But in terms of how to get into Scripture, being stuck, I think, so when I'm stuck, on stuff like this, I just can't do the spiritual things that I know I should do. I go to a prayer of helplessness and mm. I just dump myself in front of God and say, Nothing's happening here. You're going to have to come for me because I got nothing and I'm just going to have to have help. And that is a fine prayer. That is a prayer of humility, it's a prayer of dependence. It's honest. It's not one of these, um, you know, just going through the form of prayer, false spirituality. I don't think God likes that stuff. I think when we're stuck, we're stuck. And we go to the one who can help us and Mm -hmm. say, please unstick me. And I think that the Holy Spirit is good at that, too, and likes to do that. 
And then I think we just try, you know, we just show up and we try to have some prayer and we try to look at some scripture. We pick a psalm and we try to get into a few verses or Mm -hmm. a section of something. And I think if we're praying the prayer of helplessness and we're making some attempt to be open and not resist the spirit, then who knows what will happen, you know? Yeah. My experience with the spirit eventually, you know, probably immediately starts doing hidden work. But eventually I notice that hidden work has actually been happening and I am less resistant to reading scripture again and it starts to flow more. So I just think these times of getting stuck are pretty common. And I think the thing I think that is not so helpful is to just give up and shut down and say, well, having a devotional time doesn't work for me. So I'm done. I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm going to watch television. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't think that's probably helpful. I think spiritually, the one thing we can always do is just turn towards God and open ourselves to say, I'm here being receptive. And I think we think we have to do all these other things. You know, we have to perform and we have to pray good prayers and read lots of scripture and be really, you know, insightful about it all. We don't have to do anything except come Mm. with our need. And the other thing I think is that's really powerful spiritually that I think we can always do is express gratitude. Mm. And I think expressing gratitude has it's sort of magic. It recalibrates the brain away from all the stuff that is wrong and broken and terrible and all the things I want and why isn't God doing this and all of that. And it says, thank you. The air is clear today. Mm. It's not smoky. I can breathe. The leaves are beautiful. Yes, I'm going to have to rake them, but right now they're beautiful. And The taste of these blueberries is lovely. And I have a marriage partner who is still with me, which is a miracle. (laughs) And I have friends. And, you know, somewhere along the way, somebody gave me some stuff on morning rituals and practices. And it said, do at least five gratitudes a day, write them down. And on a bad day, do 10. And That's because I think the power of gratitude is real. And it really does change the direction and our attitude and our perspective so that it's like remembering. It's Mm -hmm. like what you said about remembering earlier. We sort of focus on one thing kind of with tunnel vision and we need to be knocked out of that. Everything is terrible, (laughs) but I'm grateful for these things. And yeah, there's a lot of terrible stuff, but I'm also grateful for these things. And I want to remember that my life was preserved through the night and I rested. And then I got up and there was hot water for my shower and there was coffee and there was food and I'm warm in my house. And, you know, you can't run out of things to be grateful for in this life. You just can't. Which is an indicator, again, that the creator, God, is the one running this thing. And, you know, food wouldn't grow if he wasn't sustaining this whole enterprise. So it's just not true that 
only terrible things are happening. There's a larger picture still, all tainted, you know, all twisted by the brokenness in the world. But there's a larger picture, which has to do with how we are being sustained every day. We have mm. working brains. In my case, because I'm prone to, to depression, when I have frequently, I will just thank God that I'm having functional days that are not filled with the lack of functionality that I have when I'm depressed because I remember those and they were terrible. I didn't want to get out of my bathrobe all day long, you know, stuff like that. So the fact that I am having all these days that are not like that is great. Mm -hmm. And things like that. So, well, it's so good to talk with you and to remember to be reminded that there is a big picture. You know, we know this intellectually, but we have Mm -hmm. to kind of soak in it, that God Mm -hmm. is present. He is working. The Holy Spirit is at work, even Mm -hmm. when there's evidence of unpleasant things as well. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling better now after talking with you. Good, good. (laughs) (laughs) And I also know that probably in a couple hours, I'm going to feel a little frazzled again. Uh So, I guess I would love it if you would walk me through some kind of a simple spiritual practice that I could take with me that our listeners could take with them today. Would you be up for something like that? Yes, I can try. So I think I'm a fan. Well, first of all, let me say, before I get into what I was going to say, I think that the prayer of Teresa of Avila is helpful. So this is the famous prayer that I'm sure you've heard of Teresa of Avila. And it came up in Pray As You Go the other day. And I thought, this is what we need. So I will read it. Let nothing disturb you. Nothing frighten you. All things are passing. God never changes. Patience obtains all things. Whoever has God lacks nothing. God is enough. So there's a lot in there. But let me say first that when we're frazzled and bummed out about how bad things are, and we hear a prayer like that, it is tempting to sit in the seat of scoffers. Yeah, God is enough and everything passes. Yeah, great. (laughs) However, if we spend some time in that prayer, there's just a lot of wisdom there about having a larger perspective and about how things do pass. Patience really is our friend, but God doesn't change. God is solid and God is enough. You can get cynical about that when you feel like you don't have what you need. But I think Spending some time with the idea that God is enough, you know, what would it be like if I actually did believe that? And if I, you know, took that in, how might my whole way of coming to God change? Like, if God really is enough, then why am I not going to him? (laughs) So God, the sustainer who is enough, and whoever has God lacks nothing, or I know I'm loved, or... I need your help. Please sustain me. Some short, they're called breath prayers often, some short phrase that we keep with us through the day. 
And it's like a mantra, you know, I think in that tradition, that's sort of how that how a mantra works. But we want to take some truth about God and part of the truth about God that we would be believing in as we do these breath prayers is that God is listening. God wants to hear us. God wants to care for us. So I think even a breath prayer like, please help me today. Please calm me today. Light my path today. Please light my path again, Lord. I've fallen off the path. I've gotten very distraught. Please bring me back to the path that I want to be on. I just think turning back to God again and again and again in the day is the way to live the spiritual life. Just, oops, I just yelled at my husband. That's ugly. I wish I hadn't done that. Please help me. Please help me. Please correct me. Please soften my heart. Work in me so I don't do that. And then you just you just keep going. But you pray those little prayers for help and for what we need and just remembering his presence with us all throughout the day. And I think it has to be cultivated. I, I think it's a it's a thing that if we haven't been doing that, we're not going to like magically be able to <laughs> start doing that. But I think becoming aware of, it, it starts with whatever we've been reflecting on. Like, let's say we've been reflecting on, boy, I am carrying a lot of stress. So then you say to the Lord in whatever bit of quiet time you have, I would like to not be this stressed. Can you please help me? And then that becomes your prayer in the day. You notice the stress building, you catch yourself, you turn to God and say, I'm pretty stressed here. Please help me. Oops, entering into stress again. Please help me. And you just keep doing that. He knows we've entered into stress, you know, but it increases our own awareness of it. And every time we make the little prayer, we also release some stress. It stops having such a hold on us in the day. Same well, and it's remembering God's presence in the midst correct. of that, too. Yes. It's so yes. easy to forget. Yes. And I think I like to say in spiritual direction, uh, I like to encourage people to be attentive to the Holy Spirit, which mm -hmm. is just another way of saying it. Just being aware that the Holy Spirit is trying to get through the doorway of our being all the time, like all the time, waiting for the invitation. The Holy Spirit doesn't have to be begged to come work. The Holy Spirit is like banging on the door. Let me in. <laughs> Open up. I got all kinds of stuff for you. Open yourself. Receive me. Don't resist me. Don't get too distracted. Don't fall asleep to me. Be awake. Be attentive. Mm -hmm. And then you just do your day. It doesn't have to be some long two-hour formal prayer of some kind. It's just, I need help in my day. Be with me in this. And you just pray again and again and again throughout the day. And then there can be like, some people like to do something called an examine at the end of the day where they think through the day and, you know, where did I really notice the presence of Jesus with me? And where was the place where not so much <laughs> a noticeable presence of Jesus? In examine language, it's called that you look for the consolation of the day, the good stuff, and you look for the desolation, the bad stuff. And that can be really helpful just to see what our patterns are, 
what consistently is haunting us or driving us crazy or whatever. And what are the joys, too, in the consolation that increases our gratitude for the good things? Well, this is so great, Carrie. You've given us so many practical ideas, and the Holy Spirit has been with us now in this conversation. So, I think so. <laughs> thank you for reminding me, and thank you for reminding all of us about his work. And I look forward to talking to you more on another day. Thank you, Anne. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining us for this episode of All Shall Be Well, Conversations with Women in the Academy and Beyond. This is Caroline Trissick, and information about our guests can be found on our podcast page at thewell.intervarsity.org slash podcasts. This has been a production of Women in the Academy and Professions, a focused ministry initiative of InterVarsity Christian Fellowship USA. We value the contribution of podcast guests who are not employed by InterVarsity, and we acknowledge that the opinions of our guests may or may not represent the ministry, doctrine, or policies of InterVarsity. Thank you for joining our conversation as we engage in faith and life together. We'd love to hear your feedback. To share your thoughts or to learn more about who we are or the resources and connections we provide, we invite you to visit us at our online gathering place, The Well. You can find us at thewell.intervarsity.org.